Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, September 11th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by John DeShazer, and we're joined by our guest, J.B. Long, who is the voice of the Los Angeles Rams. Forgive me if I confuse J.D. and J.B. It's going to happen. We'll just let it slide. J.B., how you doing out there in Los Angeles? I'm good, Caroline. Hi, J.D. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this weekend. J.B., how's the weather out there? Because I just came from outside, and it was pretty hot, and I saw that the temperature in L.A. there is uh, fairly fairly nice. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you and your team will find it mild and perfect for uh, Week 2 football. Shouldn't be any issue. And uh, the renovated Coliseum looks much different, uh, much more playable than the last time uh, your group was here. Uh, JB, did you watch the Saints game on Monday? I mean, I imagine that you did, but what were your thoughts from an outsider's perspective? Uh, I did watch. In fact, uh, we were uh, hosting the Coach McVay show for the better part of the second half and keeping an eye on it as we did and then wrapped up just in time to watch uh, kind of the, the pendulum swing a few times late in that fourth quarter, and then I went and watched it back on Game Pass again subsequently. Uh, you know, reactions, as always, kind of high level. Kamara is ridiculous. He, he might be a solid MVP candidate. Drew Brees still has plenty of juice at 40. Uh, defense made enough plays. And then ultimately, I thought it had shades of our NFC championship game at the end with Lutz doing his thing. I wish it could have been 57 on the nose just for that kind of perfect symmetry. But I know it's been a long time since the Saints won on week one and uh, the way they did it was uh, super thrilling yeah jb the the pendulum didn't swing it pretty much flew off uh, at the end of that game a lot of wild twists and turns but it seemed like you guys had your share of drama also uh with carolina pulled it out uh todd Gurley was the work workhorse in that second half we saw um how has he been uh, progressing here we know that you know obviously he was on a pitch count probably during training camp we see a lot of veterans in that situation but it seemed that he finished out that game pretty strong at running back he did and a lot of the uh next gen data backs that up that he was every bit as explosive as he's always been so that's a great way to start for todd i think i just want to point out that what the rams have done in terms of work rate for him over the last couple of years is the exception, not the norm. And I think getting Malcolm Brown back healthy from his injury last year as his true backup, and then drafting Daryl Henderson, a rookie who's capable of doing some similar things as he develops that Todd does in terms of running outside zone and being a dynamic threat in the passing game, uh, gives the Rams a more complete portfolio in their backfield so that Todd doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting from weeks one through 17. Let's face it, this is a group that intends to play in January, and so they should rightly be doing everything they can to make sure that their best players are there and available in January. And I think that is the intent with Todd. Uh, I warned anyone who would listen that if you're banking on Todd being damaged goods going into 2019, I think you're in line to be disappointed. Very, very early, a lot can happen, but a lot can happen with any running back and with any NFL player. So I think the early returns on Gurley are really good. How are you guys looking at receiver? Because we know uh, I think Cooper Cup was injured uh, later last season. Uh, Obviously, Mm -hmm. you lose a player like that, that will affect your passing game. But, you know, Jared Goff has been been pretty phenomenal the last couple of years. Uh, You know, we know Brandon Cooks is there. So, you know, how, how has that worked out with the receiving core so far? Well, the continuity is fantastic. I think they're as good a group as any in the National Football League. Uh, You're right to point out Cooper Cup. He actually uh, missed some time with a knee strain 
and return to the lineup in that Week 9 thriller at your place and actually scored a touchdown in that game, but it, it certainly seemed like he was less than 100%. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the next week against Seattle, unfortunately went down for the year with a non-contact injury. Uh, his rehab has been incredible. I mean, just really, really impressive. And all the metrics say that he's faster, stronger, more explosive than he was before suffering that injury. They were uh, intent on getting him some early touches and getting him in the field of the game at Carolina, which he was uh, really impactful in that one. And he's Jared Goff's favorite, most reliable target. I mean, Robert Woods racks up the stats and impacts the game, uh, running and catching the football. And Cooks might be the most explosive downfield taking tops off defense. But in that sense, they go really well together. They're, they're the perfect kind of trio. And without Cooper Cup in the lineup last year, Goff suffered and the Rams offense suffered, even though Josh Reynolds uh, made some nice plays. The way it's drawn up is to have that 11 personnel look with those three receivers, Todd Gurley and a tight end. You, you know, before I get to the defense, I, I've got to ask you this. I love Aqib Tlaib, the, the snatcher of mm-hmm. chains. And how is, how is he to deal with on, on a day-to-day basis? How is he to deal with as a human being? Because I love his persona on the field. Uh, anybody who, who's willing to run up and snatch a dude's chain off, that's my kind of guy. You know, I've followed Aqib's career since college, actually, and through Tampa Bay and some of his other stops. And it's interesting how reputation and, and outside perception at this stage of his career no longer seems to match reality and you know chain snatching like you're talking about implies like a volatile personality and we know he's had some off-field and on-field incidents but what he's been to the Rams ironically enough is a steadying presence like a veteran now a captain a coach on the field someone uh, who balances out Marcus Peters on the other side of the field very naturally and Peters has been uh, like more than incrementally better when Tlaib has been available versus when he was injured last year and not on the Rams defense. So uh, maybe it's just kind of being a little bit longer in the tooth and a bit more sage at this stage of his career and at his age. Uh, But he's actually a stabilizing force on the Rams defense in addition to being uh, still a great playmaker on defense. You know, there's got to be such a luxury to have two cornerbacks of that caliber along with he and, and he and Peters, uh, two guys who are capable of doing the whole bump and run, put them out an island and, and let them have their way. But I guess obviously it begins up front. If you've got Aaron Donald, then you can do a lot of things in that secondary. You probably don't have to cover as long, I would imagine. Well, that's kind of the intent. And the Rams invested in those corner positions. And then they're also really deep and strong at safety. I mean, they have four safeties and they all play. They're all very versatile, can play in the box, can play the deep middle of the field. And, and the outside linebackers that they've now you know, added and bolstered their pass rush with Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler, most notably, it, it is all kind of orbiting around Aaron Donald, such that when Donald gets double teamed on more than half of his snaps, and in some cases against the Saints, nearly 80% of his snaps, someone else has to win one-on-one. And in the pass rush, the Rams feel like they have other options there. Fowler got a couple of sacks last week. And then behind it, if you can make quarterback rush or create some pre- or post-snap confusion, there's ball hawks behind it to create takeaways. You talk about Aaron Donald. I mean, he's been such a consistent leader uh, for the team and for the defense. Have you seen any added element to his game this season that you haven't seen maybe in years past? 
Well, what's different with Aaron this year is after a couple of training camp holdouts until he got uh, his extension last summer, this is the first time since I've been with the franchise that he's been in camp for a full preseason. And he thought that that would allow him to get off to a faster start this year. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a sack against the Panthers, again, facing two and sometimes three offensive linemen. Uh, but compared to last year where he didn't even pick up a sack until week four, he believes that he's going to be on a better pace this year. Kind of incredible when you consider he got 20 and a half sacks as a defensive tackle last year. But what I like to share about Aaron is his approach, his mentality is not to win NFL defensive player of the year. It's not to be an all pro. I like to say he's playing Canton. He wants to be not only a first ballot Hall of Famer, but the best defensive tackle who's ever done it in the National Football League. And I think every weight that he lifts, every rep that he takes, um, every sack that he collects is with that goal in mind. JB, he's, he's got half of that already down. He's going to Canton, I would imagine. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> um, what's the vibe in, in L.A. nowadays? Because we know that can be a difficult market, and yet the Rams, uh, a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, they are winning and even L.A., people love to see not just winning but entertaining, and the Rams have been both of those. Is is the vibe going along with that? Do they seem to be uh, drawing along with that? There's definitely some momentum, and I think once Inglewood opens and the Rams have that stadium to really showcase and provide an elite fan experience, it, it will come full circle. But in my uh, now four years – I've seen growth in that regard, and I think the balance of home fans versus visiting fans has started to tilt the Rams' favor at the Coliseum and will be even more pronounced when the new stadium opens next year. Uh, I'm curious to see what the noise levels are like. A lot of our players have spoken about that NFC Championship game being the loudest game they've ever played in and probably ever will. Uh, but it's, it's a crowded landscape here in Los Angeles, as you well know. You know, two professional teams in every sport. The Dodgers just clinched the division. Uh, they want to go back to the World Series. Even at the college level, Lynn Swan just resigned as athletic director here in Los Angeles. Chip Kelly is having a rocky start uh, to his second campaign, and they've got the Oklahoma Sooners coming in next. So there's all kinds of things going on, football and otherwise, and, and the Rams are always battling for headlines in that regard. Fortunately for them, a lot of their headlines have been about their wins, their success, and all the points they're scoring over the last couple of years under Sean McVay. I think anyone would be lying, especially in New Orleans, if they said that they didn't circle this game on their schedule as soon as it came out. Um, I don't know if that's mm -hmm. the case still in L.A., but obviously last year when the Saints played in Minnesota, it was kind of you know another game that they circled. But now it seems – I don't want to say they haven't uh, – they've forgotten about them, but it's not as big of an impact game. But obviously going against the Rams in the Coliseum, it's going to be a, a big game for any Saints fans, all the Saints players. How long do you think this – I want to call it right rivalry will last do you think it'll die off after this year do you think it'll continue that's a really good question I think so long as there's a succession plan to Drew Brees and it's a successful one whether you know it's, it's handed off to Bridgewater or someone else I, I think it has great potential to continue uh, because I, I think these are the two front runners again in the NFC what they've done over the last two years makes them rightly the top two teams and makes this the game of the week yeah I think the Rams fan base had it circled too. Um, you know, I think they enjoy the historic and the current rivalry with the Saints. I think all the controversy that came out of that game made it a, a, a home contest that they were willing to invest in and show up for. Uh, but ultimately, I just think it's a chance to see, I mean, uh, a roster, two rosters littered with Hall of Famers. 
you know, Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, uh, Kamara, Breeze, you know, Goff, Gurley, Aaron Donald, you name it. This is just a star-studded affair, and it's a game that I think not just our fan bases, but the entire country will be watching. I wasn't privy to the selection process, but if I was a Fox executive, I made sure I did everything possible to make sure this was our national game of the week, and that's seemingly how it played out in week two. Absolutely. JB, before we let you go, I'll ask you our seat geek question. As you said, uh, both star-studded rosters. What do you think, I mean, you know the Rams the best. What do you think is going to be the key for the Rams to separate themselves from the Saints this game? You know, this is not a flashy answer, and it's probably a disappointing one, <laughs> but I really think the Rams have to clean up and improve special teams. And this is a franchise under Bones Fossil that takes great, great pride in always winning that dimension of a game, and they didn't last week. They had mistakes in every phase. They kicked off out of bounds. They missed a field goal. They had a punt block. They had a punt shank. They fielded a punt inside their five-yard line. There were penalties. I mean, I have never seen the Rams crumble on special teams the way they did in week one at Carolina. And knowing how close the margin, how close the games are and how slim the margin for error between the Saints and the Rams, if they don't make sure that they're every bit as good as Morrison and Lutz and the rest of the Rams, uh, rest of the Saints specialists, I don't think it will have a chance to go down to the wire and be decided by perhaps another game winning game. Well, we'll have to see on Sunday, won't we? Oh, I can't wait. Thank All you right. guys for having me. It's a pleasure to talk uh, to you, and I just have great respect for uh, so many people in your organization, including those on and off the field. Thanks, JB, for joining us. Right. We appreciate it. Take care. Have a good week. Thank you. Thanks to JB for joining us on today's show. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. But with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off of their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS, that is GOSAINTS without spaces, at checkout. SeatGeek, let's go. For Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer will get together again on Friday. Thanks for listening so much to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.